Welcome back, everyone, to this episode of Bonus for, what did we do, 107? It was 107. <laughs> episode yeah. 107, yeah. The, That's the one. The start of Second Samuel. Did David become a king in this one, Big Bad David? Did he become a king? Kind of. We're, we're kind of there. He's slowly garnering, garnering power and kingdoms and people right. who remember, support him. Remember he's like leading this sort of faction of part of the kingdom of Israel or like part, part of the whole group. He's just the Judah portion of it. And then the rest yes. are, are under the control of Ishbosheth, whose name I just love saying. And so it's stuck in my Ish-bosheth. head. Ishbosheth. Well Ishbosheth. Done. Yeah. Yeah. But he'll definitely become king eventually. Yeah. So at the end of the chapters that we read, we learned that David has like a gajillion wives. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I didn't realize. Yeah. I, I didn't realize like how many wives people can have. So I looked this up and apparently the Torah places limits on the number of wives a king could marry. Oh, is this a really? thing? Yeah, really. Okay, good. I'm. I'm like. I probably read this at some point and then <laughs> forgot. But apparently, I didn't was because this, you two were surprised. Was this in the same section about him not also having more than a certain number of horses and stuff like that? Oh, oh doesn't that sound it? familiar? That does sound familiar. That sounds like that's something out of Leviticus or Deuteronomy, maybe. But specifically, I a king. Yeah. Yes, it was I remember the limits kings. on horses. Yeah. yeah there was a. There so was a. New. They must have known a king was coming then. Oh. Well, mm. but yeah, also with De- Deuteronomy, there was that discussion of this was probably a book that was actually written after the fact, mm. but written as though it was written beforehand. And right. so we have more of this context of maybe there is a king and now we want to rein him in because he got too many horses. Too wow. many freaking horses. Okay. Well, guess how many kings, how, um, how many wives a king can have? A king can have, oh, Tw- yeah, guess, 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 guess. 20. I'm going to say 20. Okay. I'm going to say 100. Okay, it's definitely not 100. Jace was very close. It's 18. Oh, really? 18's a random number. Yeah. I don't Hold know on. why 18. Hold on, though. Is Does that include concubines, or is that just wives? Uh... It's just wives. Mm. Okay, yeah. all right. It's okay. just wives. Now, okay, this is a bit of a spoiler alert, but apparently, and we don't know with how many women, but David had 91 kids, Oof. which is wow. just mind-blowing, mind-blowing. That's a lot. So, yeah, it was interesting because I I wanted to know, like, why he decided to have all these wives. I guess it was just because he did. Well, you're the king, right? Yeah, I'm going to do it. There's nothing to stop you from having as many wives as you want. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. No, there isn't. Yes. Combined with that gives you political opportunity if you can be like, hey, I'll marry your daughter in exchange for yada, yada, yada. Mm, That's true. You know, it's just all the opportunities to, to gain more political power, forge political ties, or... It seems like to stick it to the fallen kings that you've defeated by yes. taking their wives or their daughters or sisters mm. or whoever it is. There's a lot of reasons to collect wives if you're a king. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so many reasons. <laughs> so many reasons. Um, okay, so this this specific website, Shabad, I think, C-H-A-B-A-D dot org, mm-hmm. um, was talking about the Talmud yes. a lot. Yeah. So Abigail is named in the Talmud as one of seven prophetesses prophesizing prophesying that David would later become king um, and then foreseeing a future blunder, which I'm not going to say you you two probably know what I'm talking about, but I won't say it in case I it's a spoiler, okay. but in involving a different wife. 
Um, and so she, I didn't realize this, but Abigail is the future mother of Kilav, which is one of only four people in all of history who died completely without sin. I uh, I got some questions like, about that. According to rabbinic literature, or like that? I, su- I guess according to the Talmud. So wow, yeah, fascinating. And it's yeah. funny. It's funny because this says the Torah prohibits a Jewish king from having many wives, but it's like, but eighteen, eighteen, 18 is yeah. not many. <laughs> That's reasonable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So I don't know. I I don't know, like, how you become uh, a person who dies completely without sin. But she, Abigail, who was also named one of the most one of the four most beautiful women in all of the land and all of Earth of all time. That's what it says. She was considered by our sages. I don't know what they mean by that to be among the four most beautiful women of all time. Well, this reminds me of the stuff that shows up in the rabbinical literature about Rahab. I was just going to oh, ask no. if it's like, if Rahab's like, on that list, this, yeah. kind, of fan, I, I this kind of fan fiction level of even just <laughs> saying the name of Rahab would make a man orgasm. Just, just, right. Yeah. Well, that's what it's saying. It's like they, they David saw her thigh, just a glance at her thigh. David was prepared to do away with her husband then Wait, and there we, so that they we, could marry. Did we get that part of the story that Abigail flashed him that. some thigh? I thought she just flashed him some wine. Yeah, I don't recall <laughs> that. And also it talks about the fact that um, Abigail was righteous and like said, you know, you don't need to kill my husband right. because he's going to die eventually. So she was profit- profiteering, being Wink. a prophet in that way. But yeah, oh, it that's said- cute. She's being a prophet, not he's going to die soon. Wink. Don't even worry about it. I got this covered. Well, that may be what it is. But yeah, so this was a good thing because he married her legitimately soon after Nabal's death by God's hand. God's hand. Maybe yep. Abigail's. Yep. Um, but David praised her highly for having righteously forestalled him from a grave sin, both of murder as well as that of laying with a menstruous woman. Oh. Uh, oh, what? Menstruous and I'm woman. like, I'm sorry. Where? How much fan fiction have is we added to this? this? In this, I don't remember. There's a lot of stuff that gets that. added in the rabbinical commentaries. Yeah, I will say apparently. we have found that before in these bonus episodes that it's like these tie-ins, right? Yeah, these movie tie-ins that add just a little bit of backstory. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> uh, so you- that was a tangent, but yes, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I mean, that's actually kind of a little bit of a transition into what I was trying to look up today, which wow. is about the both the timeline of this, but also like who who probably wrote this, like a little bit more about that. And it there's something that we talked about way back in Genesis, um, which was these different like biblical sources that scholars tend to attribute, not like specific people, but they have like names for them. So there's like, there's there's four of them. This is called the documentary hypothesis hmm. that specifically specifically the Pentateuch, so the Torah, but then also okay. the other books. This gets applied to it as well. But there's four sources that they call the Yahwist, the Elohist, right. the Deuteronomist, and the priestly source. Yes, we've huh. talked about this before. We've talked about it, and I, I never quite understood it. So I wanted to look that up and understand a little bit about what this is. Yeah, I have no idea what that means. Right, <laughs> right. So so basically, it's just that there's these four different sources that are that according to the documentary hypothesis, which is not the only hypothesis about the writing of the Bible, which I'll talk about in a sec, some other ones. Okay. But basically, there are four 
different sources that were written by different people or groups of people at different points in time that then later were joined together and sometimes edited by people called the redactors, which is just a cool, I'm imagining sort of a a podcast name or something. The redactors. That's a good podcast name. We just need to come up with the content that goes in that podcast. Yeah. Like what is this podcast about? (laughs) I don't know. I have a great name for it though. Yeah. Um, Okay. So basically it's that the, according to this theory, the Yaoist source it is named the Yahwist because it's the one that uses Yotaiwahe or Yahweh as the name for God. And okay. so that's kind of its like identifying mark. So when you see that in the original, it's like, ah, okay, that must have been that source that that called Yahweh that. Um, and that's believed to have been the earliest of the four, which is around 950 BCE, which puts huh. it very close to where we are right now in the story of King David, because King David is anointed in like 1040 something, I think. So this is all kind of around this time that that first source who wrote some of the first pieces may have been writing those. Okay. And then the next source is the Elohist, which is characterized by calling God Elohim instead of Yahweh. um, And, deals more with like the kingdom of Israel rather than the Yahwist, which is more about the kingdom of Judah specifically. Uh, and that would be 850. So we're like a hundred years after the Yahwist. And then the Deuteronomic source or the Deuteronomist, as it's also called, is characterized by being more sermon-like and is more concerned with law, which would have been another... 100 to 200 years after the Elohist. And then the final one's the priestly source, which is more of a formal style and is concerned more with priestly matters that's thought to have been written in like 550. So overall, we've got this spread of roughly 400 years when these different sources would have written different things, maybe added to each other's. And then at some point, this all got compiled together to make the Pentateuch or, you know, the rest of the Old Testament. Now, there are... Some other theories that can kind of work along with this, other ones are that really know these were like a ton of different sources that all got combined, maybe by some of these sources. Uh, maybe there's only a couple of them, but they took a whole bunch of disparate things rather than being quite so uh, limited in who is writing it. Um, and then others who take it and they're like, yeah, except we don't believe the Elohist actually exists. We think that you've you've just sort of found a difference that doesn't really exist and really that was all the Yahwist and actually it was a hundred years later or something. But but essentially it seems like this view to a certain extent is still fairly widely held in terms of how this all came about. Huh. Now, to bring it to the book of Samuel, the books of Samuel, that these are Deuteronomist books. Oh. That even y- though they were written in the time of the Yahwehist? Yeah, yeah. Well, most Yahweh. <laughs> no, I guess so. If you're going to go with these numbers, what it means is that the Yahwist was writing around this time, but that who wrote this story down probably didn't write it actually till a few hundred years later when the Deuteronomists were writing this stuff. Does that make sense? Okay. okay. It's all a little bit wishy washy here. <laughs> but, uh, but basically, this book is believed to be. Uh, the the Deuteronomist history, which includes the book of Deuteronomy, but also includes uh, Judges, Joshua, Samuel, 
and Kings, that all of those were written by potentially one person who is the Deuteronomist or maybe a small Mm. group of people, according to this, this theory, right? That actually all of these were written around between 630 and 540 BC. So almost 500 years after this stuff has happened. Wow, goodness. uh, That apparently during that time, which I think, oh gosh, I should have written this down, but I think is when the kingdom of Syria was the one that was in power in their area. Uh, I could be totally wrong on that. But anyway, that it was scholars at that time trying to like understand what was going on in the framework of their... Uh, you know, Jewish tradition and and things like that and the histories that they knew about. And so they actually wrote these histories out at that time. Anyway, wild stuff. um, Yeah, that is pretty wild. Really interesting. But I think that should hopefully help us in the future when we look up books and it's like, oh, this is mostly from, you know, Yahwist and priestly sources. I'm I'm hoping we might have a little more of a sense of like, uh, okay, I kind of know what that means. That the Yahwist was earlier and more focused on the kingdom of judah and then like the priestly was much later and is more about the priests and the deuteronomists are more about laws and they were kind of in the middle of those so anyway that was kind of some fun stuff that i found about that all right yeah cool. yeah a lot of information i found some more information about abner our, our good buddy the, abner? Abner, who, the son of Will abner yeah yes. okay so that's actually right where i'm gonna start today is that He's often recorded as Abner Ben Nur, which means, you know, the Ben Nur meaning of son Nur. of Nur. So but ben then Her other... is the son of her? No, no. Uh-huh. Oh, it. maybe. Well, I don't think Ben Hur was Jewish, is the thing. Oh, okay. Right. So, but the thing is, though, that the name itself, Abner, also translates to my father is Nur. So it's like, so it's he, like what? Okay. My father is he, Nur of Nur. Of Nur. Yeah. <laughs> he really wants to drive home that Nur is his dad. He's really name dropping Nur. I'm assuming Nur must Nur have been awesome. a celebrity. Yeah, yeah. He was awesome. He must have been popular at the time, but not anymore. <laughs> yeah. Because we don't know. No. About yeah. Him. So a couple of things that I thought were interesting that I found out about Abner. If you recall last time, he was fighting on the side of Ishbosheth. And then he was yeah. accused of sleeping with one of Saul's concubines. Oh, right. That was Abner. Okay. Yeah. Yes. And that was part of why he was like, screw this. I'm going to gonna abdicate. Sorry, not abdicate. <laughs> uh, desert you. And uh-huh. I'm going to switch sides and fight for David now. And a nuance that we probably didn't pick up on is that apparently this implication of him sleeping with one of the concubines sus- casts him a suspicious light that he might be trying to go after the throne also. Oh. Oh, now, okay. I don't know how the corporate ladder works going from sleeping with a concubine to sitting to on becoming the throne. King. But... Yeah, that seems like a really giant <laughs> but, lateral or giant move up. But maybe, you know, maybe it's that's kind of the long con is like you slowly mm. seduce all of the former concubines and get them on your side. And <laughs> then the wives. And, and they're like, Saul, you don't want to be king anymore. You hate this job. Well, this was, I mean, this was it after to... Saul's, Saul's already dead. At David, this point, some uh, no. one no. Ish-bosheth. He's on Ish- Ish-bosheth. 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 Yes. <laughs> get the heck out of here. <laughs> right. Or is it that like, you know, all the people of the kingdom see him going around with all the same concubines and they're like, I remember the king being with all of them. He, this guy must be the king, right? Like mm. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> the entourage has, right. has converted to him. Now, if you recall, 
Abner decides to switch sides, start fighting for David instead, and David cuts him a deal of, yeah, okay, I'll take you back, but you got to get Michal, Michal back, my former wife. Right. That was mm. taken away from me. And I found this really funny image. I'm going to share my screen with you. Um, oh. this, is from, this is also from like a medieval illustrated manuscript of this particular story in the Bible. Um, listeners who can't see this picture, it's a medieval manuscript. And so Abner is the one in green here in the middle. He's kind of got Michal by the shoulder and he's leading her away. The illustration makes it clear that this guy standing to the left is her her former husband that she was oh, taken away from. Paul, oh, yeah, yeah. Paul, Paul Sale, the one who is crying. And Ab- what I think is so funny is Abner's just kind of got this shrug <laughs> expression. He's just like, eh, what can you do, buddy? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's like, she's mine now. Yeah. Anyway, wow. uh, if you listening want to join our drunk bible study fan fans and fellowship group i will post that in the group once this episode is released um so (laughs) i thought that was kind of funny um a couple other interesting things i found is that uh, as you'll also recall abner died last episode Uh, yes he was oh yeah betrayed sad ish yes he was assassinated by the brother of the guy who he killed yeah by sticking his sword the, the blunt end of his, end of his spear. Yes. Yeah, uh, I still don't spear. know how that worked, but you know. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, so the tomb of Abner is a significant site. Oh. And yes. Why? Yeah. Why? Huh. And, I mean, he wasn't yeah, that why? big a deal in the in the story. <laughs> in the well, <laughs> I thought you were about to say in the comic. He's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he wouldn't be that big of a story in the comic either. Um, <laughs> So his tomb location is not far away from uh, what's known as like the Cave of the Patriarchs, also in the Holy Land, which mm. is supposedly that plot of land that Abraham bought where Sarah and Abraham and Isaac and all the patriarchs are buried, which is also a holy site in both Judaism and Christianity and Islam. Now, did he buy that land or was it given to him? Because I don't... <laughs> no, he definitely bought it. Quite remember. Right. For a fair price. <laughs> For a okay. fair uh, yeah, price, that's a whole, right? That's a whole other thing we can get into some other time. But <laughs> what's funny and actually I think really cool about the Tomb of Abner is that there's a long history of documentation of people making pilgrimages and visiting the Tomb of Abner. Huh. Um, going all the way back to like, I think the earliest at least existing recorded entry we have about people going to the tomb of Abner is from like the 1100s or so. Wow. And yeah, um, people have been really into it. It fell into disrepair like in the nineties or so. And uh, I think the Israeli government finally got some grants going on, did a little Kickstarter, you know, (laughs) to make it so people can visit the tomb again. So, wow. So that's the thing. So when drunk Bible study does our tour of the Holy land, We'll definitely, definitely have to... Definitely going to check out Abner for sure. Yeah, yeah. And I wanted to tease something that I think we can cover in upcoming bonus episodes is while I was researching Abner, I found this 1985 movie about the story of King David. And I started watching really? some clips. I started watching some clips and I realized I've seen this movie. This is familiar to me. I remember watching oh. this movie as a kid. And guess what? Guess who plays King David? Uh, um, is the Winter it... Soldier. No, this is 1985. Jace is Ian, it? Sir Ian McKellen. <laughs> is it Jeff Goldblum? <laughs> no. Oh gosh, he would what have a, been like a ten-year-old a... Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. What yeah, yeah, a yeah, rendition. Yeah, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. yeah. No, nah, it's everyone's favorite, Richard Gere. Oh, oh no. so. Wow. I have already saved some good clips that okay. I think we can watch once we get to those parts of the story yeah. that we can do a little viewing in the future. I'm excited. That's amazing. I can't wait. 
<laughs> I love it. All righty. Well, with all of that, we will see you next week for episode 108 as we dive further into the trials and tribulations of the now king, David.